You first met Baz right here on Dutch the Podcast, talking about his incredible bike store, GoDutch.ca. Hi, Baz. Hey, Mike. How are you? Good, man. Maybe you can answer a couple of questions for our audience, uh, seeing as you are a participating sponsor of today's show. Thank you very much. But I want people to understand a little bit about what you do. What bikes do you sell? Hey, I sell the real Dutch bikes, authentic Dutch bikes. And if for people that are looking for that real Dutch feel, I'd say come by my bike shop this summer and pick up your authentic new or used Dutch bike before we sell out. You can buy online or in-store. Um, online would be www.godutch.ca. Awesome commuter bikes. If you are looking for a long-lasting, quality-built bike, right from the Netherlands, godutch.ca is the place to go. godutch.ca. Thanks, Baz. Thanks, Mike. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Dutch the Podcast. Uh, my name is Mike, and right there is Tom Byfoot. He's the uh, publisher and, uh, and the executive producer of this right here podcast, Dutch the Podcast. Please subscribe wherever it is you're watching or listening, and uh, we'll keep you apprised of all kinds of great stories and amazing guests. Hi, Tom. How are you? Hi, Mike. I'm, I'm doing well. Uh, good to see you. Um, yeah. Looks like we have a different background. Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, we've updated things a little bit uh technology wise and uh hopefully that will uh that will make a difference of course uh we are uh, a dozen of these in and uh as we head into the next dozen a little bit of a refresh you know yeah okay why not uh are we a real dozen baker's dozen i never know, never know how much that is that's a great point uh and based on some of the dutch bakeries i've been to in the last six months you, you often get a, a baker's dozen so uh, don't be surprised uh if you do Tom, you know, one of the things uh, that has happened with this series is you've lined up some amazing guests uh, over the last uh, number of weeks. Ten of them, in fact, really great guests. Uh, we've touched on history and culture and food. We've touched on travel. We've touched on uh, Dutch abroad. Uh, so many different topics with some great guests. One of the guests I think that we've neglected to touch on is a real leader in the Dutch community here in Canada and in, in uh, North America at large. Uh, and that, frankly, is uh, you, Tom Byfoot. So today we're going to have okay. a little chat with you about you, if you don't mind. <laughs> no, uh, that, that's that's a great, great accolade. Uh, thanks, Mike. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, sure, um, we can could, we could talk about... Um, about stuff that I do, I guess. Uh, I've always been uh, really trying to get guests on the show, but uh, we can take a break for, 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 for one week. I do appreciate it because I think that it, it, uh, it gives a little bit of insight into a few things. One, uh, immigration, uh, uh, leaving uh, the Netherlands uh, for a new life, which uh, is a lot of the audience right here on the show. Uh, uh, secondarily, you really are uh, in touch with your roots and presenting them to the community here. Uh, that makes you uh, almost an overqualified guest. But let, let's do this if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, before we get to uh, anything else, I should tell you, you can always reach out to us here on uh, Dutch the Media. Please go to DutchTheMedia.com to do that. And uh, just to add a little bit of legitimacy, uh, Tom, to this uh, whole discussion today, I, I should point out that uh, you are, in fact, an author hiding in plain sight Tom Byfoot, available at DutchTheMedia.com. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And, and maybe we'll talk about some of the things that we, uh, that I discussed in the book that I write about in the book, uh, because it's all related. The whole book is related to, uh, the Dutch in North America. So when I write for the magazine, I often write about places in the Netherlands, but I also generally, uh, try to find some topics for each, uh, each issue that cover the Dutch uh, settlements in North America. So, uh, over the years I've written a good many stories, uh, visited places with Dutch roots, talked to people, highlighted people with Dutch roots that live right here in Canada and the United States. And I brought all those together in that one book, uh, Hiding in Plain Sight, um, which basically says what I'm, uh, the title basically says what I'm trying to cover in the book. There are so many Dutch people or people of Dutch descent in North America, a million in Canada. Uh, we talked about uh, that with Elizabeth Whitmer in their previous episode. Mm -hmm. Five million in the U.S. We visited Pella, Iowa. Uh, we talked to uh, Jeff Keysbury of Indo-Dutch descent in California, where there's a huge Indo-Dutch community and also large Dutch community. Uh, and it just fascinates me what brought people to pick up their bags and move across the ocean and settle right here in Canada and the United States. Begs the question, Tom. You had a life. You were a, a full-grown man in the Netherlands. What brought you uh, to Canada? Why did you decide to uh, to make the move? Well, that's that's a very uh, uh, personal uh, thing, really, for a lot of people. Um, you know, I have to face it. A lot of people that came over in the uh, 1840s to the 1950s came under whole different circumstances than I came. I had it relatively easy. We had... Uh, already visited Canada several times. And uh, one of the main reasons that we moved as a family, I moved with my wife and my, at the time, one-year-old daughter, Adina, who is now 26. Um, we had been on vacation in Canada and we just loved the country. We loved the people. Uh, and we said to each other, I wonder what it'd be like to live there. Do you think we could? Wow. And then <laughs> wow. we got in touch with the uh, Canadian embassy in the Netherlands, is this possible? And said, yeah, we're an immigration country. We, uh, you know, we have uh, specific programs that you can follow to come in. So uh, I applied for uh, immigration to Canada uh, as a skilled worker, as it was called. Mm -hmm. um, they have a point system. You get certain numbers of points for the, your uh, educational background, your skill level, your language ability, etc. And if you hit the minimum, in principle, you're, you're welcome to come. So the whole process really didn't take much more than a year uh, applying to the Canadian embassy. Now, to set that in context, that is uh, 24 years ago now. Yeah. So things might be quite different at the moment. But for us, uh, it was great. So we flew into – I still remember when we flew into Vancouver. It was actually very cool because I – we got to the uh, to the customs uh, official, and uh, we thought we'd have to go through a very serious uh, intake, and uh, that he'd you know ask us all kinds of difficult questions about what we would be doing and where we'd be going. So he asked me. Uh, he said to us, uh, "Hey, what brings you to Canada? What are you planning to do?" And I said, uh, "You know, I'm going to be looking for a job, <laughs> implying that I was going to be working very hard and being a great." Uh, asset to Canadian society and he looked at me and he said sir you're coming to Canada to live welcome to Canada and I thought that was such a neat welcome to the um, you know the Canadian community uh, wow that is a fantastic welcome and so you landed in Vancouver that's correct um, yeah 
And and did you begin life in Canada in Vancouver? Because I know that you've uh, you've certainly changed provinces since then. <laughs> yeah, no, we moved uh, to Ontario uh, in 2013. Uh, British Columbia is a wonderful province. And yes, we did begin life straight away. The, the weather was glorious. It was March, but still uh, the weather was good. Um, and we went for a long walk on that first day there, a long walk uh, along the seawall uh, along Stanley Park. Um, for those of uh, our listeners who know Vancouver, it's it's a beautiful part of the world. It is, and, yeah. you know, we got that sense, even though we didn't know. We didn't know what the future would bring. I didn't have a job lined up. We didn't know where we'd live. We we uh, got to stay with uh, um, uh, so, uh, an acquaintance of my dad's uh, who lived in Vancouver for two or three days uh, while we found found a place to rent. Well, um, you need got to do a number of things. So so one of the very first things we did, we brought some money over. Of course, we'd sold our house in Holland, which is again something that's quite different from uh, what the immigrants in the uh, 1950s or Indeed. the 1940s yeah. <laughs> could do. Yeah. So we had some spare cash. Um, I went out, bull, bought a clapped out old uh, Chevy Corsica, uh, loaded the baby in a car seat in the back, and we drove across the uh, the coast mountain range into the Okanagan Valley in uh, oh. British Columbia and uh, rented for, I, I remember it uh, vividly, $500 a month. We rented um, a small suite in a uh, mom-pop uh, motel. Um, you know, one of those ones with outdoor corridors and um, picnic tables in the middle. And I started looking for, for work. Um, and, and I was very fortunate, very fortunate indeed, in that I found a job at relatively short notice within a few weeks. Uh, my background at the time was in information technology. Mm -hmm. And I found a job with a small uh, credit union in, in the interior of British Columbia. And, and that's where I started work in, uh, in 1999. And, um, you know, everything flowed from there, so to speak. So now you've uh, you started to establish, uh, you, you've begun to work, and, and I would imagine uh, settled into a home. You have uh, still a baby, uh, I'm assuming, um, at that time. Uh, you've begun to work. Tom, how did you end up in, in Ontario, and what led you to being such a media force in North America with uh, Decrant and uh, Dutch, uh, the media.com and all of these publications. And of course, uh, you know, Dutch, the magazine, now the podcast, how did, what was the track to that? Explain that to me. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, uh, even before we left uh, the Netherlands, uh, I had a colleague at my work at the time, um, who was uh, uh, who had relatives in Canada, as many Dutch people do, because so many uh, Dutch people immigrated to Canada in the 1950s. Um, and uh, she often visited her uh, relatives over in Canada. And at one point, she brought back this newspaper called the Hollandse Krant, which means the Dutch newspaper, mm -hmm. uh, which was one of three uh, newspapers that existed at the time. So we're talking late 1990s for Dutch immigrants in Canada. And she knew I was also interested in Canada, I'd visited, and, and, and so she gave it to me. And I took it home. And I always kept that newspaper. Uh, and um, when we moved to uh, to Canada, I was in my, um, in my hand baggage. Uh, and I immediately subscribed because I thought it was a great initiative. Let's keep mm -hmm. this newspaper going. Uh, but what I found was that it was really very heavily focused on uh, that traditional uh, immigration group. 
and I found that uh, it was a little lacking in in interesting content for younger immigrants. So quite a few people were coming from the Netherlands to Canada in those days, not in the thousands like it used to be in the 50s, but in the hundreds. Uh, there were a lot of um, farmers, for example, uh, coming across uh, who found it uh, too constricted to uh, to farm in the Netherlands with mm -hmm. all kinds of quota. So a lot of farmers you'll find in uh, Alberta and Ontario are of Dutch descent, of recent Dutch descent. Oh, anyway, interesting. I got in touch with the publisher and I said, hey, would you like to uh, publish on a monthly basis uh, some experiences from a new immigrant to Canada? Well, he said, yes, uh, that would actually be quite interesting. So I started writing for the newspaper in uh, 2001, a couple of years after we landed. Uh, and um, and I immediately had an impact because people got really, uh, uh, I wouldn't say bad, but they, they, they thought we had it way too easy. You know, coming across on a plane and not on a boat. How dare money. you actually immigrate with uh, <laughs> leisure? That's a, yeah. And I, and I you know, I didn't know uh, know enough. I didn't know enough about hockey. I didn't know enough about how things work because there's all kinds. I, I was writing fairly um, lighthearted articles about the difference between Canada and the Netherlands, right? And 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 you know, a lot of people loved it, and, and it rubbed a few people the wrong way. I was going to say, I think probably a lot of that was in fun. Like, come on, Tom, you need to learn about hockey, and you need to learn about these things, and you need to adapt. I think that I can see, I can see the Dutch Canadian community having a lot of fun with you uh, at your own expense as as uh, the new guy on the block. Well, you, you know, you talk about things like, for for example, um, table manners are different. Uh, like we'd eat pizza uh, with our knives and forks and people really laugh at that. But then conversely, uh, in, in Holland, it's quite typical to eat, uh, let's say, uh, chicken leg with your hands and, and people here found that odd. So, uh, and then there's all kinds of stuff. Like in you visit someone you take your shoes off at the door. We don't do that in Holland. So, uh, you know. No, you take I your clogs off at the door, do you not? I'm sorry. I, yeah. And then, and then you nail them to the to the siding. Um, anyway, all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, well, um, I did that for seven or eight years. And then um, the publisher at the time of this Dutch language newspaper wrote an editorial, which was really sad for a lot of people because he said, my printer has given me an ultimatum. I have to start delivering my files digitally. And he, he was an old school guy. He was in his 70s at the time. Uh, he pasted everything up manually. And then he took photographs with, with this big um, specialized. One of the overhead yeah, cameras. Exactly, yeah. one yeah. of the overhead cameras. You, you, you know it. Um, and the printer basically said, sorry, man, you're the last one we're doing this for. We can't do it anymore. you got to go digital. And he said, I'm... I'm not, I'm too old. I, I don't want to learn this anymore. Yeah. Uh, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to shut down the newspaper. Um, well, I did not like that idea at all. So I gave him a call and said, hey, uh, Gerald, Gerald, his name, uh, uh, what is it worth talking about? Do you even want to talk about uh, me taking it over? And he said, oh, Tom, I'd hoped you asked me that because that was really <laughs> the only candidate uh, that that made sense yeah um so uh so i took over uh that dutch language newspaper uh did a, a survey of my readership and asked them a number of questions uh and from that i concluded this is great we're going to keep the newspaper going and it's still going now uh so we're uh, i started publishing it in 2008 and we're now we're into two 
2023. Wow. It's been going for a while, still coming out in Dutch every month. Wow. Um, but I also discovered that there were a lot of people very interested in that Dutch background, but who did not read Dutch or read it very easily. So I'm talking about either people who came here when they were very young, young kids, mm -hmm. uh, or who were born here out of uh, Dutch parents, understand the language a little, but still have difficulty reading it. So I said, we, we got to do something in English. Well, the big discussion then starts is, do I slip some English language pages into my Dutch language newspaper, which one of my competitors at the time uh, did? Mm -hmm. um, and or do you I, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to put some something completely in the English language uh, and, and also give it a slightly different um, feel to the newspaper. Whereas the newspaper is still focused to a certain extent on news from the Netherlands, mm -hmm. also on memories, looking back, uh, nostalgia. I also wanted to make something more modern, um, full color, uh, glossy, nice photographs, and, and to cover topics that were uh, less rooted in that pure uh, immigration experience, mm -hmm. step away from the hard news from from the Netherlands, because really most second and third generation Dutch descendants don't really care what's going on in politics back in the old. Or you had sort of entered an era where accessibility to that information was exactly. there. Yeah, exactly. For the people who want it, it's there. They can get it online. Yeah. Well, especially those days, that was before most of the uh, publications threw paywalls up. Uh, but still, you know, if you're willing to pay for it, you can get your news from the Netherlands quite easily uh, on, on the internet. So now I wanted to do something more background, more culturally focused, um, more um, historically focused, and that became Dutch the Magazine. So uh, I launched Dutch the Magazine in 2011, uh, and that is our 71st issue. Uh, we publish it once every two months, and we haven't skipped a beat or missed an issue since, um, since uh, we first launched in September of 2011. Uh, and we've covered a whole bunch of very interesting uh, topics. Uh, and uh, so those are our two flagship publications. By really. the way, this this is the, uh, the the most modern face of De Krant, uh right there. Um, and look at that still uh, all this time. It's uh, in its purest form. So uh, there you go, uh, De Krant, And then, of course, Dutch the Magazine. Uh, that's the most recent edition right there. Absolutely. And, uh, just to, so that's fascinating. Now you so you've got the the magazine uh, and the newspaper. Uh, what led you? I mean, you've been writing these stories for so long. Uh, now you've got this uh, sort of media, uh, I guess, multimedia uh, business in the Dutch community. Uh, now you start to publish. You start to bring in other publications, and uh, I would imagine through your publications, you began to offer other printed material. Let's talk about that for a little bit and your route to uh, becoming an author yourself. Okay. So, so just quickly, yeah. I don't create these two on my own. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of freelance uh, reporters and correspondents and uh, writers that, that I work with. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I'd be remiss not to mention them because they uh, help keep us going. Um, but as part of uh, the work that I do, I edit uh, the, uh, the magazines um, and I also write articles and, and that's really where I, I'd always enjoyed writing. It's always, otherwise I wouldn't have reached out to the publisher initially right. and said, Hey, should I, uh, can I do this? Can I, yeah. can I do this? Yeah. Um, but of course, 
now you publish an article in uh, this issue, an article in that issue. Together, that builds up uh, quite a volume of, uh, of related information that really should fit between uh, uh, two book covers. Right. And um, it, there's, there's a bit of a story here in, into how I got into book publishing as well. Um, in 2010, uh, it was 65 years since the end of World War II. World War II is very important to uh, to uh, especially the readers of the Quran, many of whom uh, have uh, or did experience that as children uh, right. generally, or maybe as young teens. It might have um, been their launchpad to immigration. Uh, in fact, oh yeah, for uh, sure, era, with the right? Canadian so, role in yeah. um, in the liberation of the Netherlands, uh, definitely. Well, around about nine, uh, 2009, 2010, I started getting these stories uh, from people writing down their memories and saying, "Can you publish these, please? Because if you don't, no one else probably will." Um, uh, and uh, we like to pass this on to our uh, kids and grandkids. Well, I said, "That's great. I think we should do that in English because a lot of these." Our articles were coming to me in Dutch. Um, and you know what? Let's uh, drive towards May of 2010, that uh, 65th year anniversary. And I'll bring out a special um, uh, commemorative issue of Dutch, uh, of the Krant still, mm -hmm. um, in uh, English uh, with uh, memories of our readers uh, of World War II, of what wow. they went through, of their experiences. Fascinating. Uh, we, we, we talked to Jenny Van Dinter uh, a few episodes ago. Yeah. Um, and and it, those are the types of stories. Uh, Jenny's is, isn't in there. Um, Jenny's, sorry. Uh, and um, She did correct you. She did uh, yeah, correct that's me. Right. So, yeah, uh, for yeah. those uh, listeners who listened to earlier episodes, uh, stop saying Jenny, it's Jenny. Uh, I corrected myself today on the phone with you, I noticed. By the way, uh, hats off to Jenny because that episode meant a lot to so many people, the uh, feedback on that. And, and go back and listen uh, or watch that episode because it's really good. That perspective on, uh, as a child, what, what that felt like and what that meant to her life moving forward um, – it was an incredible interview. So go back and have a listen to that. I recommend it. I, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and it gives a very good flavor of uh, the type of um, stories I got for that commemorative uh, issue. So I said, send me your stories. And sometimes you really have to be careful what you ask for. Mike, I got more than 200 submissions. Oh, my gosh. From people across North America from Nova Scotia to uh, Vancouver Island and from Florida to uh, to Washington State who sent in memories of the war. Some of these were half a page, you know, two, right. two uh, memories. Some of these were uh, just 15, 20-page uh, uh, manuscripts. And I'm going through these and I'm reading them. And, and this, you know, also if you think about wars going on right now this brings you so close to what it's like to live through wartime as a civilian again like yanni story also did um and heartbreaking stories um anyway i felt these should all be kept i could only use about a quarter of the submissions for that uh special edition wow. of the uh, newspaper so that's when i decided uh, with the readers themselves uh, that we'd publish a series of books um, containing these stories. So I sorted the stories and went through. There's a lot of work. Some of them were handwritten. Some of them were mm -hmm. typed. Some of them came in uh, digital format, which was a lot easier, of course. 
Some of them came in Dutch and had to be translated into English. Uh, some of them came in uh, the English of someone who's not really had a formal uh, education in English. Mm -hmm. uh, so it needed some corrections. Either way, um, I sorted the, um, the memories into uh, themes. Like there's one theme about the uh, initial shock of the invasion of the uh, German armies in 1940. Uh, then there's one about how do you survive during occupation. There's one uh, very um, uh, specific one about the Holocaust, about people seeing what was happening. Uh, terrible stories of their neighbors being hauled off and 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 put into uh, cattle cars and sent to Germany for what we know uh, now, but they did not know then uh, what would be happening to them. Oh. Um, there's a book about Arnhem we talked about mm -hmm. uh, when we talked about Yeni. Uh, there's a book about what's called the hunger winter in the Netherlands. That's when in the final year of the war, a famine struck the west of the country and more than 20,000 people died of starvation. And then there's that final volume, the best volume of all, called Liberation, uh, about when the uh, Canadian and American and British troops came and uh, liberated Holland from five long years of oppression. Anyway, uh, nine books came out of that. So now I knew. Uh, I, I had to do a lot of research. I had to figure it out. But now I knew how to publish a book. So that meant that um, uh, I you know, was free to start publishing other books. Um, uh, an interesting uh, side um, to that was when I get uh, I got an email from a fellow in Holland, Michigan, one of those Dutch uh, Dutch towns. Okay, uh, he, was, he was a professor of English at Calvin College. Uh, I think it's Calvin University now, but uh, Calvin, traditionally uh, Dutch Reformed College in uh, in Grand Rapids. Uh, mm -hmm. I said Holland. Uh, I meant. Grand Rapids, they're close <laughs> together and they're basically uh, the, same. Uh, the same or interchangeable. Synonymous town. Let's, not, yeah. let's not tell that to them. Uh, so if you're listening from Holland or Grand Rapids, sorry, but Our apologies. is, of course, in uh, Grand Rapids. Okay. Uh, and he translated uh, two books by an author called Hilke Speerstra. Hilke writes in a language called Frisian. Uh, Frisian is a... Um, Germanic language spoken in the northern part of the Netherlands. It's a separate language with its own history, its own literature. Uh, it's spoken by about uh, half a million people. And it's, Mike, it's the closest language to English uh, oh. of all languages in the world. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, commonalities. Anyway. Very he, interesting. He, he, and, and, and something, I, I thought I might um, get in touch with him and see if he'd uh, be willing to join us on one of the podcasts. Oh, that sounds about, great, yeah. About that. Uh, so, so that's uh, maybe in the works. Anyway, I published two uh, books by uh, Hilke. One is about immigration. It's called Cruel Paradise. Um, and it's, uh, its subtitle contains the word bittersweet, which really is a very good uh, description of what a lot of uh, immigrants went through. Uh, and the other one is a, is a great work of uh, what I would call creative nonfiction, uh, a story about uh, someone who immigrates to uh, the United States uh, in the uh, 1910s um, and then follows uh, his life. His life ends up um, on uh, Juno Beach uh, during D-Day. Then he makes his way through Europe. Uh, there's a very interesting plot twist uh, where he meets um, meets an old neighbor uh, in very specific circumstances, and it's a wonderful read. It's called The Comfort Bird, uh, and it's also available, of course, on Dutch the media, as is Cruel Paradise, as is 
uh, as are, are is the uh, wartime series, as everything else, everything related to uh, uh, to our publications are available from Dutch the magazine. So the Spearster books, and then I started publishing books for other um, authors, as long as they're related to uh, to the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. Um, or the Dutch in North America. And that's when I uh, collected my own essays that I'd written for Dutch the magazine, but in particular the ones about North America, because I've also written a lot about the Netherlands and, and places and people in the Netherlands itself. Um, so really, in a nutshell, uh, that's um, where we uh, where we landed until you talked me into uh, doing podcasts. And you know what? Interesting uh, that you bring up the podcast, because... You've done with podcasting what really should happen with podcasting. You you dive deeper on stories that are of interest to people already. Uh, and, uh, you know, as I as we talk about it, and you said, you know, Frisian is the closest thing to English. I, I realize we had an episode that was medical related. That's very important to some people with uh, a Dutch uh, heritage, uh, genealogy in the Netherlands. And um, so, uh, you know, with this podcast, looking forward, what do you think happens? Do we uh, do we go into outer space with this podcast, or over the next couple of years? What do you envision doing with the podcast? Uh, very good question, Mike. I, I like what we're doing. Uh, I think we're getting good uptake for for a starting podcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I look at the numbers, um, I would like to bring on as many as possible guests that have an interesting story to be tell to tell that's related to their Dutch heritage or not necessarily their Dutch heritage, but somehow to the Dutch in North America. We, we spoke to uh, the uh, director of uh, uh, Visit Pella in Pella, mm-hmm. Iowa. She's not of Dutch heritage, but she works for a Dutch town uh, that has a lot of Dutch connections. Um, we were very fortunate. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the uh, medical episode about the PLN uh, heart disease. Uh, we spoke to uh, a gentleman uh, called uh, Jansen, which uh, Dutch people realize is a Dutch last name, who is mm-hmm. of Dutch heritage, um, but who was also a medical doctor. So he had a lot of knowledge about uh, uh, the topic uh, we were talking about. So uh, I think there is scope for many years of Dutch, the podcast, uh, and there are guests all over this continent, and we can connect with guests even back in the Netherlands. Um, we haven't done that yet, but there's no reason why we shouldn't um, to uh, to talk about topics that are of interest to people. Uh, and and I think you know when I started the magazine, and this should be my mantra for the podcast is my mantra for the podcast. I started the magazine and I said I want to have a magazine that I would like to read myself. It's got to have uh, interest to me because if it doesn't interest me, if it becomes a chore, then mm-hmm. the readers will pick up on that. Yeah, and I, entirely. And I guess yeah. that's the same with the podcast. So I, I think um, what I'll continue to do is reach out to people who I think are interesting and who I'd love to talk to and 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 hear their stories uh, and then share them with a wider audience. Uh, by the way, if you have somebody in mind... Uh, do reach out to us, dutchthemedia.com. Uh, I put that up there because there's a, a great forum where you can even uh, communicate to us uh, what your thoughts are. But sometimes these stories come from you. Uh, and in the future, I hope that they do. Uh, certainly, I have learned so much. 
uh, and had such a great uh, experience with this podcast at this point. Tom, I have to well, say well, thank I, you. I have to uh, congratulate you, Mike, uh, because uh, when I spoke about Friesian, you immediately picked up on that uh, PLN uh, mutation, which originates in, in Friesland. So you've Clearly, I've I've made a commitment to learn, Tom. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> well, listen, uh, I want to say thank you very much to you. Uh, by the way, again, uh, to, uh, here is one of the publications, one of the books, uh, Hiding in Plain Sight. You can get that right now at DutchTheMedia.com if you'd like to uh, see more of uh, the really cool work that Tom has been doing uh, to keep the Dutch community connected. Uh, it certainly has been a joy doing it here. Tom, thanks very much. Subscribe to the show, friends, uh, and we'll catch you next time. Thanks, Tom. See you later, Mike. Bye.